Welcome to the 3D3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Hi! Hi! Hi, everyone! Hi! All right, so we left off last week with a an exciting question. And uh, Patrick, I believe you were the one that came up with it. So could you refresh our memories what that question may be? Is the... Or did you need me to like do it? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm okay. trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it to be sort of, you know, cliffhangery. Ah. You know, like the who shot Jr. previously, you know, type thing. It was really around. I think is the NA is the NWHL and the CWHL. The fact that there that there's two separate leagues doing more damage to the groundswell of of excitement for the women's game than anything and my contention is is it kind of is because you know it's it's sort of like uh, and and it's apropos of today even though i can't stand football with any anyway the afl it's the old afl nfl argument right or the old wha nhl argument you know some of the best players in the world were playing for the wha and some of the best and some of the other best players in the world were playing with the NHL. There was no one league where all of them were together where you got to see who was truly the best of the best, who could put together the best team, who the best players were. And I think we've reached that point with the women's leagues and hearing the comments from um, the women that were that were at the All-Star game, almost every one of them kept banging in the drum about unification or merging or something along the lines of there needs to be a league not these two sort of independent leagues that are run differently mm-hmm. so you know and and you these events like the all-star game where you get these women out there and you then they have to address the situations well i play for this league well i play for this league and we don't play each other and it's uh it just drives me nuts they just you know duh, okay i'm done I'm done. I'm going to go ranty, and I don't want to go ranty right now. <laughs> Any thoughts, Pat? I agree with what Patrick's saying here. Um, my only concern, and this kind of backs off of, um, all the scuttlebutt we hear kind of coming from the NHL and Gary Bettman, that I think outside parties that are interested in investing in women's hockey and a women's hockey professional league would just kind of like to see both leagues kind of crumble and die off. So something can kind of rise from the ashes. And I'm just wondering if that approach or, or just kind of forcing a merger on these two leagues is is just going to cause more harm than good long-term. Just kind of looking at the way they're structured. I, I just don't see how a merger is possible anytime soon. Um, despite the, you know, growing interest on both sides. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. You know, it's, I, I think someone's looking around just waiting to pick up the pieces and start something new after, you know, trying to crash both of them to the ground. Yeah. Cause I, I don't know much about CWHL ownership structure. I know several of the Canadian teams partner with, specific franchises but unlike the 
NWHL, which owns two of the teams or three of the teams now, two of the teams have private ownership. It, it's all very kind of muddled. Whereas if every franchise have a defined owner and, it, you know, a league group was just kind of a partnership between prospective owners instead of having its own unique interest, like, you know, someone like uh, Danny Ryland at the NWHL. Like, I, I don't know what kind of investment she has personally for, you know, several of the franchises Unlike you know, Buffalo's there and they're owned by the Pagulas now. Like, how does that dynamic all work? Because it hasn't been until these new ownership groups have come in that, you know, oh, now these merger talks are real. It's even more complicated than that, though. I, I, yeah, I figured it would be. It's not just a matter of the ownership structure, but it's also a matter of um, financial structure. Because the CWHL, I believe, I, I don't, I am not entirely positive at the moment, but I am pretty sure that it's a nonprofit and the NWHL is a for profit. So, so you also have that aspect to it as well. Um, the CWHL wasn't paying their players up until like a, a year or two ago. Um, the NWHL has been paying their players all along. Um, so there's a, that aspect. I mean, if you're talking about combining the two leagues merging, then whose model do you, you know, go off of? Presumably it'd be the NWHL because, you know, it's a for-profit. They're paying their, you know, paying their players and, and et cetera and so on. But I mean... I know. <laughs> yeah, the the thing with the CWHL is is they knew they were up against it as as far as being a startup league essentially. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm pretty sure and I'll have to go back and ask Sasky Stewart um cuz she worked for him for a while. Right. Um kind of helped ground up. I'll have to go back and ask her, but I'm pretty sure that the reason that they started it that way was so that they could offer some sort of shelter to their players. Um, <clears throat> that if they gained any money off of this, they wouldn't be hit as hard being quote-unquote prof- paid professional athletes. Uh. Um, which is, I think, why they went that way. And then it also allowed them to sort of have a collective of an ownership uh, rather than have to find individual owners. So they could sort of evenly distribute funds across all of their teams for operations and everything. They were more interested, I guess what I'm getting at is they were more interested in building the infrastructure around a league than having a bunch of teams in the league. Whereas the NWHL went with the inverse model, which is go find a bunch of people that want to invest in owning teams, and then we'll put the league around it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Which is, I just finished... Um, reading the down goes brown history of hockey and this is very reminiscent in going back in time to that sort of era um pre-nhl where we had all these different leagues running around and all these people that were in these leagues um fighting with each other and they essentially formed the nhl because they they didn't like the owner of the toronto franchise at the time so they disbanded the league started a new league and didn't invite him 
So there's this that that kind of feeling to me sort of lines more with the NWHL where there's like a, a group of private investors versus a CWHL where it's a collective and they just sort of get title sponsorship money from Scotiabank and these other companies and sort of say, okay, we're going to have these individual teams. And then when we get the infrastructure built up and, and everything around it, then we'll start worrying. And I, I say worrying, but not worrying. Then we'll start working on how do we make this sustainable for our employees who are the players versus the NHL, which has always been, you know, we have to get more money in because we need to pay the players. Mm-hmm. So the CWHL, I know they started building into generating revenue, ticket sales, merchandise, um, partnership broadcast streams and all that kind of stuff with the intent of not back paying, but at least starting to pay their players from that as opposed to the NWHL, which is right out of the gate. We're paying our players. We're the first professional women's league to do that. Mm-hmm. Great. How are you going to do it? You know? Which is, I think, why they ran into so many issues those sort of first few years. Right. So from what I understand, and I'm totally blanking on her name now, the lady who founded uh, the NWHL. Most Jamie of it. Ryland. Yeah, um, Denny Ryland. Most of most of it was her money, or her father's money. I can't remember which now. Um, so they're the ones propping up the league as it stands, from what I understand. I don't know if that's still the case, but that was originally the case. She, oh, sorry, sorry, Cass. She sunk in some private money, mm-hmm. but it was not enough. She had to have partners coming in. Right. So it was so it wasn't a single a, a single source of, of, of income. It was she had enough to do something. Um and it was you know, and it kind of goes back to it was a fight between her and and the, the then commissioner of the CWHL that mm-hmm. led to the NWHL. So Right. So to answer your question, Patrick, um you know, I thought about this all week. Because my my knee-jerk gut reaction was, well, why does there need to be one league? I mean, really, who cares? Um, But that's my opinion. Everybody else, obviously, I realize that a vast majority of people would disagree with that statement. So um, (laughs) it's it's less – so this is more of a pragmatic approach rather than my opinion. <laughs> my opinion is who cares that there's two leagues? As long as they get to play and everybody gets paid, I don't care. Um, but the reality is that um, everybody wants, expects, requires, in fact, one league where all the players, all the best players can play. And um, which is what you had said earlier, Patrick, about the WHA and the NHL. Um, as well as, you know, I mean, there was the IHL and the AHL, um, that sort of thing. So, so putting my personal opinion aside, going with the assumption that there needs to be one league for whatever reason, um, my problem or the problem was what I'd mentioned before was the financial models between the two leagues. If I think if 
financially they could align, it would be a much easier merger, and I think it would probably happen a lot sooner. But because of how everything is set up financially between the leagues, it's very different, and that would be very difficult to to put them together, um, which is probably why everyone's waiting for one league to fail so that the other league can absorb the other the, those teams that have been abandoned. Um I think the NHL would rather see because they would rather, you know, take credit for the success of women's hockey um, more more so for the credit than for the actual interest in women's hockey. Um, (laughs) It's a perfect way to put it. (laughs) Being the NHL. And so the NHL would impatiently would like for them to figure it all out and be one league and, and get it over and done with so that they could support it and, and look like the heroes that they want to look like, um, by, by helping them out. I mean, there are NHL teams that are partnering with the women's, with women's teams, the New Jersey devils. And, um, obviously the owners of the Buffalo Sabres own the Buffalo Buttes. Um, well, it's funny because the the Montreal Canadiens are partnered with the the Lake Canadiens, yeah, and the CWHL, and the same with the Flames, and and they're, for lack of a better term, sister franchise. So, I mean, even the NHL is split. Right, and you know that's that's the thing is that you know the teams can support their local women's team, but the NHL is unable to support all women's professional hockey simply because there isn't one league. And so I think the driver out of all of this ultimately is going to be the NHL. Um, I think that already they're, they're kind of pushing and prodding at these women's leagues to consider, you know, merging. Um, Cause they just want to get on with it. <laughs> they want to prove that hockey really is for all. Um, and so so I think that they're going to actually be the driver. I think they're going to be the ones who who push and prod both leagues into merging and becoming one so that and they're going to dangle money in front of them and say, you know, we'll help you out. And here's some money if if you want to do this to get them to do it. Um, now, is that right? I don't know. But I, that's what I see probably happening. Um, but again, just more so for the glory than actually for the interest in promoting women's hockey. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, the two aren't mutually exclusive. Right. So, you know, there's, I hate to say this as, you know, a fervent capitalist, but it, it kind of goes back to our previous discussion about why is it on the teams to build ranks? It sort of behooves them because there's a finite NHL market to be had. And the only right. way to continue to grow revenue is by expanding markets. Well, how do you do that? Well, and here's the thing, too. I mean, it's it's sort of similar to saying, and it is totally true, but you're going to laugh hysterically when I say this. Nixon was the greatest environmental president the United States has ever had. <laughs> Things I wasn't expecting to hear <laughs> for 200, Alex. <laughs> You know, it's that sort of thing. It's totally true. Nixon created the EPA. Yeah, he did. Nixon signed the Clean Water Act. Nixon signed the Clean Air Act. But why did he do it? He did it out of spite. He did it because he wanted to beat the Democrats to the punch. 
That's it. That's the only reason he did it. He saw the way the wind was blowing and he was going to beat them and he was going to like get all the glory for doing it. And we all know how Nixon turned out, but he is still literally, regardless of intent or motivation, (laughs) the greatest environmental president that the United States has ever had. (laughs) And so, so Along those lines, that's what the NHL is trying to do with women's hockey. (laughs) They want to be, you know, the promoters of of women's professional hockey. Their motivation may not be the best, you know, but they still want to do it. Uh, I'm never going to look at Batman the same now. We have a trade to announce. Oh, come on. You know, (laughs) it's like true. Yeah, next time he uh, next time he uh, shows a, a peace sign, there you go. Uh, <laughs> That's couple shut up, Chuckers. <laughs> but I mean, you get what I'm saying, though. It's it's a no. It absolutely makes sense. I mean, yeah, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing because in the end, you know, the EPA has done a lot of good, regardless of what certain capitalists may say. <laughs> but. You know, and the NHL will do a lot of good by promoting women's professional hockey, you know, I mean, and they will increase their fan base and, and revenue and, and all of that, 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 I mean, I'm not saying that they're doing this out of, um, the goodness of their hearts, but you know, it's, it's, it's the same sort of deal. It's like, what's in it for them? Yeah. It's a new avenue to make money. I mean, it's just like the NHL with international hockey. I mean, the only reason they're interested in the 2022 Olympics is because they can make money in China. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're interested in a World Cup of hockey. And I think they use, you know, the 2018 games as a kind of stepping board looking into investing in women's hockey because the success it had with its tournament, which far and wide outshadowed the men's tournament, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But they clearly, they clearly have some sort of business model mapped out in their own minds, and one of the two leagues runs counter to that model. So they're just waiting for something to change before they jump in. But I agree one hundred percent. They're they're trying to be the white knight in the scenario, and they're probably going to just luck into that role when all is said and done, and we potentially do have one league going forward. The, the NHL is, is nothing but adept at falling backwards into success. And I'll bring it up again that, and I hate, I hate promoting him, but it's going to sound like a paid advert, but that down go, that down go Brown book perfectly exemplifies this league falls ass backwards into success and then wakes and then sort of sits up like a like a Jim Carrey character, like, how did I do that? And then befuddles their way to screw it up before falling backwards into success again. <laughs> or as, I, as one of my favorite authors like to put it, it's 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 like a drunk reeling from bar to bar. <laughs> <laughs> Despite their best efforts, they're going to succeed. Right. It's like. Damn it, they're going to get that next drink, even if they're going to like have to fall in a, a ditch for a while and sleep it off a little bit before they get there. <laughs> mm. oh. uh, the, only, the only thing that's disproving that whole fact are the Edmonton Oilers. 
Well, actually, uh, yeah, well, kind of reminds me of the whole argument, say, going into something else a little bit. Uh, kind of reminds me of the whole argument about how every, about some fans believe that the Leafs, the Toronto Maple Leafs, are are the pets of the NHL. You know, they get away with everything. They get, you know, blah, blah, blah. They get all the good calls. They get whatever. And uh, um, what's hilarious about that is that the NHL's Canada offices are in um, Air Canada Center. The the uh, um, war room, quote unquote, the war room where they review all the videotape is in the Air Canada Center which is where the Toronto Maple Leafs play. And, um, you know, they don't, the Leafs actually don't get anything more than anybody else, <laughs> even though the NHL is right there. So, yeah, sorry, that was my tangent. <clears throat> what, do oranges... women's hockey. <laughs> yeah. what do oranges have to do with it? It's an old joke. Yeah. I had a friend of mine literally asked me when I said, oh, it's, it's tangential. And he, she looked at me and said, what do oranges have to do with it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, high school. Oh. oh, good old high school days. Are you sure they were good? No. No. Yeah. Okay. Hundred percent. I'm, I'm, I'm just making sure we're all on the same page with that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have a bad high school experience, but it still wasn't good. <laughs> uh, that you you stated that perfectly. Yeah. I had a high school experience. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me let me kind of go down another rabbit hole uh -oh. with you guys. So we have these two women's leagues. One's made up of five teams. One's made up of six teams. Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that's kind of hurting them is that you know when you play the same competition over and over again, see a six-team NHL. You know those arbitrary six teams. Eventually, you have to expand and have you know bigger growth. But for whatever reason. You know, professional sports leagues are fixated on these magic numbers in the low 30s. What if women's hockey were to kind of go an NCAA route and just get eventually lots of smaller franchises and build up separate leagues and run them similar to the CHL, where you have three, maybe four leagues of 10 teams. You have a little non-conference play to start things so there's some crossover events to make it kind of economical like one city hosts four teams a weekend and then you go off and then you do your conference play and then there's some big championship like the memorial cup at the end of the at the end of the road why 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 isn't any league kind of ex, you know looking down that model instead it's just let's get everyone under one umbrella and just kind of hope for the best when I think kind of segmenting it out and spreading things out regionally might make more sense in the end. You just kicked me upside the head. I never even went down that thought. That <laughs> I, I'm sitting there going, "That's fantastic." As you're sit, as you're explaining it, I'm I'm looking at, you know, Tri Cities, Spokane, Portland, uh, Everett, Seattle. Vancouver, Victoria, Kamloops. Well, Kamloops is. <laughs> anyway, we won't. I like Kamloops. Right. Um, not a, not a good, okay, not a good example there, but, but <laughs> yeah, you know the Quebec Major Junior, and and I mean little, and I hate saying the word little, but franchises do move here and there within them, but 
How long has Spokane been in Spokane, Cass? You know, since you went out before you and I were born. Seventies, I think. Yeah. I think most of them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Thunderbirds have been around for almost as long as I've been alive. You know, the uh, Victoria and Vancouver are fairly new. Tri Cities has been around for ages. Victoria is not new. Victor, well, the current team is. The new. current team is the current. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I mean is. They've, teams have come and gone, but there's always been at least something. God damn, Pat. <laughs> it was I a mean, swift kick to the head. I mean, <laughs> that should have been the end of the, uh, the last question. That should have been no, the last question. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think I have one for the end of the show, but we'll That's see how good. things go. But my thought is everyone's kind of the magic 30 number I just don't think works. Like one reason why college sports is what it is in the States is because everything is regionalized and the NHL is very hyper-focused on certain markets where I think they need just like changes to the game. What we're seeing in the NHL now was a result of youth hockey evolving a decade ago, you know, during the NHL lockout, USA hockey changed some of their standards of play. That's kind of what led the initiative to some of the crackdown and, and holding and, and whatnot in the big league. But that's why you saw the progression of players like Austin Matthews, you know, all the kids coming out of St. Louis recently. It's because they've all learned to play without this garbage defensive system that has predicated the league for 20 years prior. You know, so spreading things out, making making it a little more grassroots and, and community oriented, not just, you know, hey, let's put a women's team in Pittsburgh and make them black and gold. Well, the market's already oversaturated with black and gold teams. How about you put a women's team closer to Penn State, let's say in the middle of the state and see what happens. I don't know. I just I just think there needs to be an alternative than putting a bunch of franchises in NHL cities to make it viable. So here's my thought about it is the two things. One, the reason they are not going to want to do that is money because everybody, because they want to have a central collection point. <laughs> Basically that's why they want to have, and the NHL wants a piece of the pie. So that's why they, they want to put it one league NHL teams, like helping them out, that sort of thing. I mean, you're not going to see a 30 team women's league in the next, Probably not for another like 30 years. Yeah. It's never, you know, it, there's just not enough talent right now. All you have to do is watch the Olympics, and there's two teams, maybe three sometimes, that actually compete for the gold medal. So until until other other countries' uh, development programs like actually start churning out better players, you're not going to get that. Um, so. That's that's the that's the con. <laughs> the pro is that doing it that way would be more beneficial for the women's game simply because at least for a long time they're going to be paid a lot less. And that means, you know, smaller operation costs. That means you're not going to have a team out of Boston going to Calgary, you know, two, three, four times a year. Um so having it more regional having conferences regional that would be that would make more sense especially in the short term um but that's probably not going to happen because the nhl still wants a piece of the pie and right. they're going to try to force everybody into their model 
And so therefore, I think they favor the NWHL over the CWHL because the NWHL is more like their model. Um, and, uh, and I think that's the way it's going to probably play out. Patrick, to answer your question, uh, the Spokane Chiefs showed up. Well, they moved from Kelowna yeah. to Spokane in 1985. Uh, Seattle got a WHL team in 1977. They were yeah. the Breakers until yep. 1985. You're looking at the same Wikipedia page, aren't you? No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just remembering that there was that there was that explosion in in the in the mid to early 80s around here, and. And I remember the breakers because we were making jokes because there was a sounders in the breakers mm. at the time. So, yeah, the first um, Victoria team was actually actually moved to um, Prince George. Mm-hmm. So I don't I can't see where I mean, there's a whole lot of moving around in, in this league. I mean, they had one a team in Billings. Uh, the Edmund, the original Edmonton Oil Kings moved to Portland in 1976. So they're probably the oldest of the American division. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there's but, your going but, down. But, yeah, but there's, there's your going down the rabbit hole of history. But to yeah. your point, I mean, that kind of emphasizes Pat's point a little bit. The Chiefs have been there for 30 plus years. Right. The, the Winterhawks have been there. 30 plus years. The T-Birds have been around 30 plus years. So, excuse me, I, I keep coming back to it and, and Cass, you know, your point about the NHL wanting money out of this. Well, there's a governing body to the WHL and the, and the QMJHL and the OHL. It's the CHL. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there is a governing body that sits atop the whole thing. So the NHL could totally take that place and say, you know, here's here's how our system works. We're going to mold you into this system, but we're going to keep it regional until we build into a big enough infrastructure and we do have the, the import players and there's enough of a talent pool that we can have a big functioning sustainable league. But I think it'll be very interesting because if if you go with Pat's model, you have that ability to bring the the women over from Sweden and Russia and Finland and have them work and train with NHL players or, mm-hmm. or professional women's players as part of, you know, their work in this league. And, and as we've seen with, com- with countries like um, Germany and Switzerland, that's been a big benefit. You know, a couple players come over and, you know, they have a middling career, but they bring back knowledge and they start building games there. And then the next thing you see, you've got a few NHL or a few German players or a few Swiss players coming onto the import side in the CHL, you know, when they're 15, 16 years old and learning how to, quote unquote, play the North American game. Which I think would, you know, it all starts going from there. Right. And at, at the very least, it kind of mitigates the NHL's responsibility for something that may potentially fail. Yeah. Which might be ultimately a good thing, because I think the NHL might overinvest in something that doesn't work long term and, and hurt things for a period of time. You, you could argue the Phoenix 
or Arizona franchise was hurt by the NHL continually pushing something on them when really it was just an ownership group problem. Perhaps another partner or another ownership group could have moved into the town and made things work kind of a la the Jets. Um, Yeah. But but one thing that kind of scares me off by the NHL is seeing them do a, a similar NBA to WNBA partnership where they they don't have leagues running concurrently where they're kind of oh the women's league is just kind of the summer summer league and you basically compress everything down into a small schedule or you you limit kind of ice time and opportunity based on you know there are going to be certain markets that don't have viable rinks in the summer oh god yeah so, I could totally see that. I could yeah. totally see them wanting to do that. I could totally see them thinking, oh, that's a great idea. And that way it's not going to take away our audience. Well, I, I think it's a good thing when there is no hockey for a period of time. I, oh, I, I think totally agree. You know, I don't want to see. Well, actually, what I want to see if, if they wanted to do a summer league of some sort is do like a seniors league instead. But I'd rather see the NHL and whatever a future United Women's Hockey League would be to run kind of concurrently. I'd I'd freaking love it because uh, the the AHL runs concurrently with the NHL. Nobody has a problem with that. Granted, the teams, granted, the teams, sorry, Cass, granted, the teams aren't sitting on top of each other geographically in a lot of cases. But in some cases, they're within spitting distance of each other. So well, there's, yeah, there's, San Jose plays in the same arena as San yeah. Jose. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, there are there are there are prime examples where they literally are in the same facility, and others where you know it's it's you can get an Uber for five bucks to take you to an AHL game the next night after an NHL game. So, uh, okay, I'm getting angry again. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing: if they if they if Let's say the NHL gets involved. Let's say that they go with the NWHL model. Let's say that everybody merges and and you still have the NHL team partnerships with the NWHL partnerships. I mean, let's look at New Jersey. New Jersey, the New Jersey Devils had a double header. They had the uh, Metropolitans, um, the women's team, that is. Um, playing right before the New Jersey Devils did on the same day in the same arena. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm getting angry again. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's... it's The NHL doesn't make the smartest moves, so we'll see how it all turns out. Um, they, they, like, they like to think that, you know, if, if they had run like a business, if the NHL actually was run like a real business... I don't even think I can wrap my head around that, actually, now that I'm stopping here and thinking about it. Um, but the other problem, too, with with uh, Pat's model is that you're talking about um, Canadian hockey men who, if you had a bunch of American men in, you know, making those decisions, they would probably be like, yeah, college model, that'd be great. NCAA, let's do it. We don't have to pay um, them. Right. <laughs> That, they'll stay amateurs. It'll be great. Um, but, you know, the Canadian side, I don't know that they would actually buy into the whole, well, let's make it like Major Juniors thing. Because, 
they're all going to be thinking, oh, this is going to be partnered with the NHL, so it should be like the NHL, and and so we can't do it like the w, like the CW, CHL. That's not right. It's got to be like the NHL. You know, you know how they get tunnel vision. Yeah, and that's. But you totally can. I mean, there's nothing. Oh, I know. I agree. Yeah. You know, there's there's nothing precluding it today. I mean, even if you turn it into an AHL model to a certain degree, you know, because you just have a partner franchise and the NHL team funnels some money to them and and some and some resources. But uh, I'm getting angry again. <laughs> All right. So shall we change the topic then? Although my next topic is kind of angry, so I don't know if I should mention it. If it's about Leon Dreisaitl, then no, because I'm going to get super angry. <laughs> no, it's going to be Pierre Maguire. Oh, okay. I knew it was coming, but we were having just a nice, lovely chat, and now we have to head down this road. I need to find my chi. <laughs> Center yourself, round, deep breaths. Um, in with the good air, bad out with the bad. Um, money Gretzky. Um, <laughs> um, money Bobby. Um, because um. we are talking about women's hockey after all. So, any thoughts? <laughs> American men have a hiring problem. We're you know, seeing we're seeing it with the networks. We're seeing it. With teams, we have a hiring problem and who we are hiring and why we are hiring them. And that is the reason why Pierre McGuire is still employed by NBCSN. Uh. <laughs> my, I told my boss about it um, Friday morning because uh, he teleworks on Thursday, so I didn't get to talk, talk to him then. But um, I was talking to him about it Friday morning, and he's he's a... He's more of a casual hockey fan. He keeps up with it, but he's not like diehard and, and all of that. Bruins fan, poor guy. And uh, the first words out of his mouth, and he's the father of, of daughters who are athletes. Uh, even that doesn't really matter because he's a man who actually hires people and fires people. And the first words out of his mouth was, has NBC fired him yet? Because he should be fired for that. Enough said. I mean, I think we're all kind of scratching our heads, but we, in the back of our minds, we kind of know why he hasn't been. Because he's just been around forever and everyone knows him and or he's extremely cheap to the network. I don't know. But he absolutely should have been let go on the spot. Mm-hmm. He is a noted hockey man, Pat. Come on. But the, Shattuck uh, St. Mary. Like Christopher I, I, Letang. I know getting that 200 pin gives you some level of protection, but does any of the other 199 like this person? Because he clearly he clearly can't get a front office job ever. A, a, a little a little bit of inside baseball. Um, no, there are there. <laughs> I don't I don't know if if you guys have have noticed the NBCSN coverage lately. Their their prime game is that five o'clock start game, right? West Coast. Uh, five o'clock West Coast. Yeah. They, yeah. The, okay. the, the, prime, the, the, prime the Wednesday game. night game. Yeah. The the prime time game, which is why they bump all start times to eight o'clock, because that's prime time. 
because they're still in that 1950s mentality of TV scheduling prime time. Mm-hmm. Right. How many games has he been on this season? Hint, it's been far fewer than last season. He's been I, relegated. I will say his usage is going down. Yes. Um, Thank God. Yeah, he's he's been relegated to the Second double team. header game. Yeah. And it's the, typically the West Coast. Yeah, exactly. That He's been relegated to a lot of the 10 o'clock starts recently. And his first sort of big to-do primetime show up was the All-Star game this season. He's had an interest, you know, if they've had a Wednesday-Thursday game or um, I think a couple Tuesday-Wednesday games, he's been part of the early broadcast crew, but their, their sort of big-ticket game, that 8 o'clock Wednesday night start, he's not been on nearly as many this season. And, mm. I don't, and they've had a lot more Brian Boucher, which, thank God. Thank God. Yes. <laughs> oh, Boucher has been fantastic in that role. So... I've also, you know, through the years, I've talked to a lot of people that work in broadcasting, specifically English and I are having a fight today, specifically hockey broadcasting, and you're not going to find many that like him. No, but he, I don't know who, he must have the lifetime contract, kind of the Garth Snow treatment, who is still employed by the New York Islanders to this day. Well, so is, so is Rick DiPietro still getting paid by the Islanders today. So, you know, we know how the Islanders are. We'll be paid by the Islanders forever. <laughs> but at least DiPietro is a little bit entertaining these days, from what I can tell. But um, I miss him on the broadcast, but I actually like AJ and Shannon on the broadcast. Oh, they're fantastic. Oh, and Jen um, Botterill, too. Botterill's freaking awesome on those Islanders broadcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, it's kind of interesting with broadcasts, uh, at least American. I always find myself um, through various technological means. I, whenever there's a Wednesday night game and it's the typical, you know, Doc Eddie crew, um, I I reach for either a local or a Canadian broadcast whenever possible because um, they just do nothing for me. And maybe it's because of the rationale of still keeping someone like Pierre McGuire employed. See, I just, I, I can't join this conversation because I usually have it on mute, no matter who is You know what, that, that is, is a doing very anything. good point. And, I mean, I, I skip the pregame, I skip the postgame, I'm just there to watch the game. If I could get a, let's just have ice and crowd noise, like, thing, I would be happy as a clam. But, like, people start talking and I'm like, mute. <laughs> okay, Cassie, let me ask you, are there any broadcast crews you would want to listen to that you wouldn't be muting games for? Because I do something a little similar. Um, not really. I've just gotten into the habit. I mean, I like Doc. I really miss Gary Thorne. I know he hasn't like broadcasted in years for hockey, but he was amazing. Um. But no, it's it's automatic. It almost doesn't even matter who the broadcast crew is anymore. It's just turn on a hockey game, mute the game, call it good. I miss Doc doing the the Devils games. Doc and Chico were a great show. They when, were great the, when they do Devils games together. Uh, Eddie's Eddie's okay. I mean, as a as a human, Eddie's a fantastic human. I think he's just kind of there when he's broadcasting. Right. 
I, I I actually like him on the Chicago broadcasts. I think he works with Pat Foley real well. Um, yeah. National games, he's he's similar to Keith Jones. And I know, Patrick, you and I have kind of had this offline conversation. But Keith Jones is another – he's an NBC kind of head that's been there since, you know, 05, 06. But he does nothing for me. But I think he's great on the Flyers broadcasts. Yeah, they're just there. Yeah. You know, it's just sort of a, 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 a talking robot almost. Not not great, not horrible. They're just kind of there. Yeah. They're at their best when they can be homers or slightly homers, you know, when they can, like, talk about the team that they used to play for. Or when they get to be fans. Yeah, but, like, we're, we're, just... you're not You're not paid to be a fan, though, right? Yeah, that's right. what Pierre said, right? Yeah. Hey, Doc and Edzo. Hey, you know, Christopher Letang. Hey, bobbity, 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 bob. Yeah, you know, he should he should uh, think about, rethink about what he says during those Penguins games, huh? Or even games where the Penguins aren't part of the broadcast, but he still brings them up. Mm-hmm. Surprised Sidney Crosby doesn't have a uh, restraining order on, order on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine the number of players that have threatened him kind of behind the scenes. They'll, they'll play ball while they're on camera, but when there's no, no when there's no camera around, you stay away from me. Right. Or, you know, fear of whatever may happen. They probably go through their media relations guy. Well, I, I know some of them do. I yeah. know some oh, yeah. of them do. I mean, there are, there are others that have good relationships with him. But he 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 likes to he likes to fashion himself as still one of the one of the boys, mm-hmm. you know, getting out there on the on the bench and tapping guys on the back and telling them they've been playing good and that kind of oh god, it's like you're there as a broadcaster, you know. It's cringy. He's it, cringy. It is. It is. It is. He's totally <sighs> cringy. I mean, even even at his best, when he is not like. Totally gushing in, inappropriately about somebody, you know, man crushing on somebody. Um, even at his best, he is still totally cringy. And and he kind of misses the mark half the time. It seems like too, just you know, he he he's just fluff at this point. And the sad thing is, he is probably the smartest man in any room that he walks in half the time. He just doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't decide if the people that are are doing broadcasts are just former players that don't have anything else going on. And so they are, and I know that's the case that they're asked to do these, but, um, you know, people are asking their buddies because, you know, nepotism and cronyism is rampant in the NHL. And so is it just... Yeah, I know, right? Crazy. Um, and, uh, and you know, I know a lot of it is just, hey, I know a guy. Maybe you should hire him, and that's that. But at the same time, it's like, can't they weed out the guys that... <laughs> Aren't good? <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, is, it, is there really such a lack of people with hockey knowledge that they can't just weed out the guys who aren't good to find the guys who are good? Or is it just a matter of, you know, he's a friend of a friend of mine and that's just it. 
I, I, I'm not quite sure. And I know it's a case by case basis, but <laughs> still. <laughs> I don't know. This is, this is just one of those that, you know, I've got a Stanley Cup ring. I was a GM. I was a head coach. Oh, he's overly qualified for this position. Okay, he wasn't any good at any of the things that he did previously, which is why he's no longer doing them, you know? Mm-hmm. But enough about Mike Milbury. <laughs> <laughs> I know, they're sending at Mike Milbury to be the the uh, the new Don Cherry. That's his whole role. That's the whole point of him. Oh, he's yeah. the American and, Don Cherry. And he's not even good at it. No, um, he's not. Te- technically, the American Don Cherry is uh, Brian Burke, but... yeah. Yeah, but, but he works. He but he works for the same network as Don Cherry. So yeah, yeah he's actually a hockey person. <laughs> yeah, well, he's just a curmudgeon who actually knows what he's talking about. But uh, I disagree with you there too. Oh, story <laughs> for another day. <laughs> well, no, he 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 just picks the wrong battles and mm-hmm. is completely wrong half the time. That I will one hundred percent agree. <laughs> Except well, when it comes to hockey, yes. When yeah. it comes to everything outside of hockey, love the guy. But. Mm-hmm. It, it's an interesting point because no one is breaking down the doors to kind of force these guys out. I think it's much easier to find new play-by-play, uh, you know, people. If you look at the Islanders, you look at the Devils, they found new people somewhere along the lines. But color guys, you know, over the last 20 years, fewer and fewer players want the job. And for whatever reason, I think the really good ones that do go into media are, are relegated to studio. And that may be because of, you know, travel demands and whatnot, but like why Colby Armstrong isn't doing color on games as a former player blows my mind. Like he's based in Pittsburgh. He would be great for some, you know, Northeastern NBC broadcasts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, the hell was talking about it. One of the multiples of Todd podcasts I was, listening to was talking about the fact that oh i think it, uh, it had to have been 31 thoughts um when they retire they retire they're done they don't yeah. have a brand they don't have anything to go out and continue to promote you know they want to go home and be dad and by and large most of them have made enough or the stars in the league have made enough money they don't need to make more or they don't feel mm-hmm. like they need to make more so getting, you know, like like the NBA has Shaq and Charles Barkley and guys that were big names. Who's the biggest who's the biggest name former NHLer out there and doing color? Right. Ferraro. <laughs> yeah. Probably you're, and you're 100% and, correct. And he had a great career, yep. but he's not much of a name based on where he played. Yeah. But here's the other thing, too, is that what have these guys, like players, what have they been brought up to do since they were 15 or 16 years old if they went through the junior system? Spew pablum. Yeah, I mean, they're not, they, they have, they've worked hard to have zero personality on camera, and they've worked hard to not answer questions in the longest way possible. <laughs> That's so true. So, you know, I mean, up until about five years ago, Sidney Crosby. It's like, would you have wanted him to actually do color on a broadcast? Heck no. no. You would have been like, I'm going to sleep here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there's also that. It's, it's not, I mean, presumably oh, yeah. you want a color, you know, color commentator to have personality and, and 
and to be interesting, well, every single guy in the NHL has worked most of their lives at being as the least interesting person that anyone would know. I'll, mm. I'll actually say it's mostly the stars, the, the upper echelon players that have that. Because you look at guys like, you know, Mike Johnson's absolutely fantastic. How he is not sitting on NBC or Sportsnet, main panel is beyond me. Mike, oh, the guy is just absolutely killing it. Kevin Bieksa. You know, yeah. the guys oh. that, the, Colby Armstrong, you know, like you said earlier, Pat, mm-hmm. you know, the guys that do have the personality are the, are the, the bottom six, for lack of a better term, players. They're there to be the guys in the room to lighten everything up. They, you know, if they do something, they get on TV, they show a little bit of personality. But those upper echelon guys, you're right, Cass, have it beat out of them to a certain degree. Yeah. And that's and that's another reason why you know they they may not be asked to do it. It's not just a matter of oh they've got better things to do I'm not going to ask. But it's also a matter of you know what I've seen a bunch of their interviews. They don't have a lot of personality on camera, so maybe we won't ask them. So I, I think it's a combination of that because like I mean again yeah, well now Con- Connor McDavid I mean look at him. <laughs> oh, that poor kid. And I feel so bad for him whenever I see him. But, but I mean, he, he is where Sidney Crosby was at his age. Yeah. You say anything, you're going to get raked over the coals. If you say nothing, you're going to get raked over the coals. Right. So it's better to say nothing than at least I can't throw anything in your face. Yeah. Ah, poor kid. And that's so, so I'm not sure if it's a matter of, of these guys have better things to do, which I'm sure it is, but, or, you know, they don't need the money, which I'm sure it is, but it, it's probably also the fact that they had zero person, you know, the upper echelon players is what you were saying, not, not doing color commentary. They also had zero like personality on camera. <laughs> For years, all their career, you know? I mean, yeah. who asks Wayne Gretzky to do color commentary? Oh, actually, I know for a fact a number of people did. And oh, did he they? Want, yeah, and he wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, and I, th- I actually think we're better off for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Frankly, yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. But it's kind of, it's funny. Yesterday I was at a uh, live podcast recording for a couple of yahoos down here in Carolina. Oh, go um, ahead and say their names. No, I refuse to. No, I'm going to no. damn it. You were down at the Section 328 Live podcast, Pat. Yeah, man, you said it. So uh, they had a guest, former NHLer uh, Shane Willis. Mm-hmm. He was a second-round pick originally and ended up, I think he was a third-round selection when he re-entered the draft, um, early 40s. He's a pretty interesting guy. But as soon as he had a mic in his hand, you could see the gear switch in his eyes and the tone of his voice completely change. He's just been coached up to speak and talk a very certain way. Mm-hmm. But as soon as that recording gear went off, oh, did he have a few stories to tell? Oh yeah. Or or the way he delivered just simple things. It was just it was just much more engaging. And I think that's the other problem too. Like you were saying, Cassie, they're coached up to talk or think a certain way when people are around. And it's just so disingenuous. They got to protect their brand. Yeah. You know? Whereas and that goes back to the whole culture thing, right? I mean, we sit there and go, um, the NFL and the NA and the NBA, you know, the player's brand is them, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's their personality. It's how they stand out. It's how it's their flair. It's their joie. 
what have you. The NHL, it's the oh shucks, oh gee, oh golly, mom, you know, Canadian bacon maple syrup mentality. There's no it's, brand there. There, it's the brand is, the team is the brand. If if you dare to like stick your nose out and be someone who isn't a part of the team, then you get traded to Nashville like PK Subban. One of the complaints about Subban that I was reading and and it was just the most outrageous thing. I was just like, really? You're really putting this out there and thinking that people are going to believe it? Was that because he donated his own money to a hospital in Montreal and they named, you know, the children's hospital, you know, PK, PK Subban wing or whatever it was, that he was putting himself before the team and therefore he had to go. Oh, yeah. yeah. And if if... The argument continued that if he had gone through the proper channels, through the team, did the same thing, but it was the Montreal Canadiens doing it with P.K. Subban, then that would have been fine. He wouldn't have been traded, supposedly. But because Subban did it on his own and, and he put his name up there before Montreal, then he had to go. And that's the biggest issue everything from labor disagreements to, you know, the blandness of the league, it's all based around that team mentality. And it's not, and I think it should be based around, you know, everyone should be focused on the betterment of the game. But if something doesn't affect you directly, if it's not affecting your, your locker room or your front office, most people don't care. It, this is the difference between women's sports and men's sports. Having having played, you know, with women's teams, having, you know, I did I did statistics in high school with boys teams. Um, and the difference is that there's this mentality with with boys and men's teams that everybody has to conform that it's the team first, it's the crest on your jersey before the name on the back, you know, all of the cliches, right? Mm. Women's teams are not like that. Women's teams, the coaches are like, listen, you don't have to like each other. You don't even have to pretend to like each other. You don't have to like be a certain way. You don't have to do things a certain way. You just have to show up, play together and win. That's all we ask. And I love that mentality. And so, oh. and so women get away or supposedly get away with a lot more than men do in hockey because the women are not taught to conform. They're taught to work together. Keep who you are. Keep your individuality. Be the person that you, you've always been. Just learn to work with your teammates. That's it. Well, the Show prime, up and do it. I think the prime example of that is the U.S. women's national team stepping out and going on strike. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a unified front. And that, that I think, epitomizes that whole band-together type mentality. And, it, you know, you could argue whether it's about the team or not. It's not. It was about the entire sport to them. Mm -hmm. And they got, oh, yeah, I'm going to get ranty again, and I don't want to. Mm -hmm. ranty, but no, in a, ranty, ranty in a good way for them. But Yeah, they were looking out for their their best, best interests interest in yeah. the moment yeah. but it was about more than just them in that moment it was about things going forward down the, down the road how was the u.s system going to compete with 
for just Canada at this point when other nations are catching up to them. Finland and Sweden are they, – they've been nipping at the heels for mm-hmm. years, and if they're not careful, U.S. is going to be left in the dust. Mm-hmm. So they were fighting for something that's going to benefit the program of USA Hockey long term. And none of those players would say that wasn't in the back of their mind because it's was because they are cognizant of it. No, they said so. Yeah. They they came out and said so. The, the thing too, though, is that it was a bunch of individuals who stood up and said, this isn't right. And we're going to do something about it. What do you guys think? And everybody's saying, you know, we agree with that and we'll join you and help you out. And you had a bunch of different faces representing team USA you know, the women, you didn't have one person, you didn't have the captain, you didn't have the captain and the co-captain, you didn't have like three spokespeople and that was it. You had various people from the team who would do different, you know, interviews or, or whatever. In men's hockey, it would have been a couple of guys at the bar saying, this isn't right, what are we going to do about it? And the other guy going, well, what can we do about it? Yeah, so, mm-hmm. you know, take it to the PA and the PA saying, no, you're, you know, there's only 20 of you. You feel that way. Yeah. And so they're the not going to, they're not going to stick their necks out because they're going to be thinking, and this is a, another difference because, you know, women don't necessarily have this like um, pressure is that I could lose my job and somebody else who, who is younger, hungrier, cheaper could take it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so women's hockey, you don't have that pressure of there's someone in the minors coming to take my job. Not yet, anyway. There's a little bit of that, but not a lot of it. And so so that's another thing, too, is that the men are more fearful of losing their, their place than the women are. But also it's just the, the cultural conditioning of the sport saying, don't stick your neck out or you're going to get your head chopped off. Right. And it's when you look at the women's, you know, their strike, it was it wasn't necessarily their captains, but it was like their figureheads were right there with the other players. The fact that Hillary Knight, who makes probably six figures off endorsements, Mm -hmm. who doesn't have as much of a, a financial stake at risk here. She's right there doing it. If you look at other sports leading labor negotiations, it's their star players. Mm -hmm. It is not the rank and file players that you see in the NHL, you know, and if that mentality, and I think it's starting to change with the, with the current crop that are starting to sign their, their second deals, there is starting to be a shift and hopefully it leads to more positive change in, in, like I get the team first mentality, but there is a bigger thing at play. Like your entertainment value is just, it's stuck in neutral right now. And they could do so much more if they stopped worrying about just what affects inside the building of wherever they play at that moment in time. I've said for years that if Sidney Crosby stood up and said something, something meaningful, things would change. It wouldn't, you wouldn't even have to have like half his team or, you know, 10 star players from other teams with him. If he alone stood up and said, this isn't right, we need to change it, things would change. Well, that prime example of that is you go back of Mario Lemieux 
for better or worse, whining and whinging about the clutching and grabbing. Right. You know, there are there are speckled instances of, of big name players standing up and complaining about something, but it was never anything earth shattering. Right. Right. You know, it was always the state of our game can't be this way or, you know, these kind of little it's something out of bounds for a normal hockey player, but the rest of the world's like, really, this is what you're going to complain about. Okay, you do you. Mm-hmm. You know, that you got bigger issues, and this is okay. You know, so kind of back to your point, Cass, is, you know, it was, it was absolutely fantastic. And your point too, Pat, is absolutely fantastic watching the whole unified front all the way down to the women that were approached to be scabs when the when the national oh. team went on strike you know saying nope we're with them mhm yeah and that's that's a lot of that is because they were approaching it with the if we don't take a stand now it's going to hurt us like in the long run like 20 years from now and so once once the women on the national team got that they started asking, and they actually, they asked everybody. They asked all the women that they could ask, college players, um, women who are playing overseas, everyone that they could ask, okay, we're going to do this. We want to do this, and we want to do this for the women who are coming behind us, not just for ourselves. Are you with us or not? And everybody was like, you know what? If we want our program to be good, if we want to still be shining in 20 years, we need to like support you. So we're going to support you. So it wasn't so much a, you know, let's let's help them out right now, as it might have been, say, if if the NHL PA decided to strike, they would be, let's do this for the next Olympics right now. It was it was for 20 years down the road. You know, it was it. It was that mentality of, of, yeah, we're going to get something out of it, but what we're getting out of it is nothing compared to how it's going to turn out 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. How my kids are going to end up being, right. should they choose this path too, yeah. Yeah, and that's, and that's a... That's a, a gender role thing that people are taught, and, you know, it's, it's changing too, thankfully, where... You know, women are raised to sacrifice for the greater good, the family, the husband, you know, whether they get married or not, as children, we're all taught that women are. Men are not taught that. They are starting to be taught that now. But so it's it's a natural thing for women to look around and say, you know what, we need to do this now so it'll benefit people 20 years from now. And it's not necessarily as easy for a lot of men to think that way because of how they were raised. But that's another blog or that's another podcast for another time. <laughs> uh, the greater good. Um, oh, thank you for saying it like that. <laughs> You've got red on you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, what else we got? I'm, I'm trying not to get dry saddle ranty. <laughs> Really trying not to get dry settle, Randy. Um, okay, so let me think about this for a <laughs> second. What happened this week? Anything anything other 
other than we already talked the all-star game kind of mostly we talked to pierre uh-huh. trades we had some trades this week uh-huh. yeah they were kind of meh uh-huh. <laughs> yeah you know the the one that just i still sit and like huh 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 the dallas pittsburgh one no the pittsburgh florida one yeah, oh yeah that I, one yeah that, that one is that one is the epitome of huh that's huh? what I was thinking of. I don't know what? why I said Dallas. Well, I mean, they, you know, the Dallas Pittsburgh one was funny. It was just let's undo. Yeah. The trade. It, yeah. it involved one player, and it was infinitely more interesting than a four-player trade with a bunch of picks. Which, yeah, but it was the four players involved and the picks involved that have just like, huh? <laughs> it, was, it was really just the 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 trade representation of a confused dog look. <laughs> Just the cocked head with like what? <laughs> I mean, I appreciate any trade, but can we get a little more creative? Like, uh, I I was listening to the Dangle podcast today because it's an easy weekend listen when I'm doing either yard work or today was assembling IKEA furniture. <laughs> but Adam Wilde proposed that Ottawa should attempt to trade either Stone or Duchesne to Columbus for Panarin. Now, I've heard that rumor. I've seen that rumor. I don't need, didn't know how accurate that was. Oh, I think it's just pure conjecture. But the okay. idea is that Ottawa would flip either guy that they are unable to sign to get Panarin, only to flip him, who would be uh, an infinitely more... Um, intriguing rental for a contending team. <laughs> that and is I team just, chaos. I just love that idea. That is team chaos. And then they go on to sites, you know, there's been, you know, a couple NBA trades recently and their trade deadline, I guess is next week. And, you know, you're seeing five, six, seven guys and draft picks and, things like that just kind of team <laughs> yeah but just crazy transactions that appear to be you know generated within a week instead of the four or five months that it takes certain teams to to get things done you know i wonder yeah. if that sorry Cass. i wonder if that doesn't go back to the old discussion that many people have had is, you know, the, the general managers in basketball tend not to be former basketball players. Exactly. Versus hockey. <laughs> you know, the old boy, the old boy network, you know, takes a while to get moving. Well, they just have to sit and talk about it and talk about it some more. And then, you know, they'll, They'll have a framework for an agreement, and then they'll go back and talk to some other hockey man in their organization to to get final approval, and then they'll, you know, decide to do nothing. Want to make sure they aren't screwing their buddy who's the GM, you know, the other team, and don't no, they don't it. care about that. Well, <laughs> I think, well, I to a certain degree, I think they some do. Of them do but, yeah. yeah, unless you know, it's. 30, 30 other GMs and they've got Peter Chiarelli on speed dial because they know, oh, he'll do it. He'll do it. Mark, Mark you know, Bergevin? Call, yeah, call Peter. <laughs> he'll trade for anything. <laughs> and Peter is the Mikey of 
the life serial Mikey of uh, <laughs> NHL GMs. He was. <laughs> we'll be God. sad he's gone. Not Edmonton, but we will. The rest of us. <laughs> yeah, he'll find a job somewhere. Yeah, but part of the think... Yep. Yeah. <sighs> Mark Crawford continued to get NHL jobs. Yeah, at least they're just assistant jobs now. Now, yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, you know, the problem with, with trades, in all honesty, is um, the scouts. <laughs> I've talked to a number of scouts over the years, and most of them are, are ex-NHLers or ex-head coaches or ex-GMs or, or whatever. Or Keith Gretzky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and most of them don't know what they're doing. Actually, I've had a number of them like say, well, you know, I was, I was head coach. I coached defense, but they they want me to scout goalies. I don't know anything about goalies. <sighs> <laughs> you said the G that word. <laughs> so, so, you know, things like that. It's, it's that. And, and I, I won't get into my rant about junior hockey and scouts. Cause I have a rant about that. Professional scouts, though. <laughs> We're going to have a rant cast one of these days. We need to have a rant cast. Each oh, one God. of us gets a rant. All right. I love I have it. to choose one? Uh, well, we could have multiple. I mean, <laughs> okay. It's so hard to narrow it down these days. I know, right? <laughs> Just have specials, right? Oh, like, wait. But then Look, you start on one, and that segues into another, and that segues into another. It'll be hard. It'll be hard to stop. It'll be a mini series. <laughs> Made for TV movie? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Our own 30 for 30. See? There we go. But yeah, so that's part of the problem with like um with the nepotism and cronyism in the NHL is that they're keeping around guys that in their in their hockey operations that are being assigned to do things that they don't know what they're doing. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's like a game of Russian roulette, really spin the wheel and <laughs> see who you end up with. <laughs> Someone falls ass backwards into a seventh round draft pick once and they're lauded as a king. Free agent. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The private, the the prime example of that being Mark Hunter. You know, yeah. the, I I have no opinion on him and his quote unquote ability to assess talent, mm-hmm. but watching the fights about whether he's actually any good or not has been awesome because both sides are like laying out facts, and you just sit there and watch the two of them go back with each other, and you go, no, he's right, no, that guy's right too so okay so as in all things in life the truth is probably somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. 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 Oh, i love this stupid sport <laughs> I do. Uh, some, somebody had tweeted like I, I think it was earlier this week that i love the sport or sport is great the nhl is is not so much <laughs> I, no, I would actually disagree. The NHL at least makes it interesting. Because without their 
oh god without their with without their inability to say do it. yes yes thank you i was looking for a polite way to say a bunch of things that were not polite in my head thank you without their uniqueness we wouldn't have things to talk about if they didn't fall ass backwards into things, it would just be such a dull place. You know what? It kind of would be to a certain degree. Like, what? everyone's going to... No, it gonna... wouldn't because it'd be a disaster as well. <laughs> well, it, it would have burned to the ground years and years yes. and years ago. Oh, um, sure. Yes. And then we would have had something else that burned to the ground years and years and years ago, too. Well, you know what? Succession that... of them. Just, I'm going to go back again, you know, and if you haven't, this is by far one of my favorite books in the last 15 years has been Sean McIndoe's book, The Down Goes Broad History of Hockey, because you find all of these weird-ass leagues and all this random-ass crap that happened, and you just sit there and go, that was 1917, huh? I could have sworn it was 2017 when they did that. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you really do have to stop and go, huh? They did it again. <laughs> Nobody learns. They don't. No, they, no, they all have this, it, and it's such human nature. They all have this, it'll never happen to me. Exactly. Attitude, everybody. And it's just like, how many times do you have to see it happen to other people before you realize that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen to me next? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're going to do it differently. It'll be different for me. You'll see. And that's why this league, you know, bumped Colin Campbell up to the equivalent of league CTO this week because it loves its nepotism. Soupy. Dear God. Uh, it's awesome that his name is Soupy because he's so salty, right? Because Campbell's, you know, the Campbell. high sodium. Yeah. 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 I'm surprised that they didn't, they didn't, weren't calling his son that oh. as a nickname, but you know, I'm, I'm sure it was probably like, can be. No, I'm sure it was soupy because. Oh no, it was one. definitely soupy because yeah. no it? one's creative. Because <laughs> no. you could have five guys last name of Campbell on a hockey team, and all five of them would be soupy. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's just it's right there. I I miss the days of of creative nicknames. What's? Yeah. Yes. Stu Grimson, the Re the Grim Reaper. Tiger. Little ball of hate. Oh, God, I missed the little ball of hate. <laughs> I love that, that nickname. Guy, that it's the best. Awesome. It's the best awesome. out of everything, I swear. It's like everybody can come up with, like, Boomer and, and Boom Boom and, yeah, all kinds of other. little. Nothing can top little ball of hate. I'm sorry. I, I will agree with you there. Because yeah. he even looked like it all the time, too. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, the players that would have the best nicknames don't stick around very long. Um, the only example coming to mind is a player you've never heard of named Joey Mormina, who looked like a baby giraffe on the ice. No, I know his... exactly who that was because he oh. went through the Tampa system. And that's right. He played exactly one NHL game. But he was with the minors. He was with Syracuse. Mm-hmm. That's how come I know. <laughs> but yeah. All right. So speaking of nepotism and, and fourth liners, I may have come up with a question to answer next week. I'll, I'll insert a drum roll post-production. All right. We'll do it. We'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. Okay. <laughs> so 
Let, I'll pose this to you guys. Should hockey, not just the NHL, but hockey in general, continue to be a four-line game? Or should we knock it down to three lines? Okay. I think okay. that reaction, I think I, I uh, you know, poked something. Mm-hmm. Not me. I, I'm like, I'm like, isn't this, aren't coaches already doing this? <laughs> but that's, that's as a, pro, uh, uh, as a byproduct of their uh, inabilities or abilities, however you want to phrase it, to actually assess talent. <laughs> And general managers and abilities or abilities, however you want to phrase it, to build <laughs> rosters that are deep enough. Mm-hmm. I don't so just, get just, just, just chew on that and add it to your rant for next week, Pat, Patrick. My, you are ranty today, aren't you? Uh-huh. Yeah, a little bit. Just a little bit. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3 Podcast. This has been the 3v3 Podcast, sponsored by Nobody. <laughs>